Chapter 6 Unexpected Angel As I arrived at the familiar building of my old boyfriend, I could hear the amusing sounds of a wild party going on, two floors up on the right. I thanked God and thought to myself, If I can get these people to let me in, I'm home free. Shivering, still in shock and determined, I rung the bell. Someone who was having an obviously much better night than I was answered the buzzer. Hey, can you buzz me in? I forgot my key, I said, as though it were actually true. Sure, have a great night, said the soul at the other end of the comm. Well, at least someone was partying tonight and having fun, I thought, as I climbed up the stairs to the maid's quarters at the top of the building. Oh, the sense and sounds felt familiar and safe there. I worked up my courage and began knocking on Dan's door. At first, politely, as though it might be 2.30 in the afternoon on a rainy Frankfurt day. Then, as minutes passed, I knocked more vigorously until my knuckles began to hurt a little. I heard a slightly muffled sound coming from the other side of the door. This was going to be more challenging than I had originally thought. It seemed he was a heavy sleeper, this one. Great, I muttered quietly yet emphatically. I didn't want to announce myself or raise my voice so that he could hear me in any way that would create a disturbance in the building at that hour. Fuck, now what I thought. Think, 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 Sherry, I said to myself, whispering and went down the haunted hall to the bathroom for inspiration. To remain unnoticed, I didn't turn on the lights. I just stood there in the dark and gazed into the mirror, with the ambient silver light of the moon pouring in through the open window. The skies were clear, and the stars were shining. Starlight was streaming in with the moonlight, bathing and entrancing me in the magical essence of love from universes far, far away. I tried to wipe away what little I could see of the smeared mascara under my eyes and washed the asshole's spit off my face when I felt drawn again to the window. I walked over to the window and looked out at the magnificence of creation. I took in the view to remember myself in relation to it. It was breathtaking. In direct contrast to the night that I was having, it really was a beautiful night in Frankfurt, and the roof beckoned me. My frame of mind and the physiological issues that I was dealing with as a result of having just been attacked influenced what I did next. It seemed like a good idea to crawl out onto the roof and to slowly and deliberately slide my way over to Dan's window. In that way, I could knock on the window to get his attention and speak more freely and loudly to him if necessary. And so, I very carefully crawled out of the window of the five-story building and began to slide my way over to the left, leaving my purse in the bathroom. The Armed Forces Network open-ended axiom played in my head for comic relief. It's three o'clock in Central Europe. Do you know where your children are? I talked to myself softly, saying, Don't look down. No matter what, don't look down. It was an easy pitch, so I felt as safe as anyone might be, crawling around five stories high during the middle of the night freezing in Central Europe. I stopped midway between the windows and rested for a moment, gazing out over the treetops below, without looking at the ground. I felt my attention being pulled up to the night sky again, in all its glory and magnificence. It held me in its arms, 
as I realized the utter ridiculousness of my situation climbing out onto the roof in the middle of the night to knock on someone's window to get their attention. I paused, laughing to myself, and took a deep breath, knowing that I must be very amusing to God because I certainly was to myself. Only I could manage to do something like this. I sat fully present in awe of the beauty all around me. The moments of realization and the vacation of stillness passed, and it was now time to move closer to the window. <sighs> I inched over, reaching my destination, and began to knock, and to my great appreciation, the window was unexpectedly open. Hallelujah! This guy was obviously a deep sleeper who rivaled even me, so I persisted in my efforts and began to knock on the window again. As I knocked loudly and clearly saying his name, I could hear him stirring within the room and muttering, What? Groggily. Hey, Dan. It's Sherry, Dustin's old girlfriend. Remember I met you at Dustin's before he left for the States? At this point, I heard a distinctly angry, What the fuck? coming from the room. Okay, sure. I could see the absolute absurdity of the current situation taking one by surprise at this hour as the question, who? reverberated back to my ears. Apparently, I wasn't quite as memorable as I wished at three in the morning, waking up from a dead sleep. I was Dustin's girlfriend, Sherry. I'm a friend of Gavin's. More muttering emerged from the window to my ears. God, please, I thought. I need this guy to remember who I am. I realized that taking the easy way through the window was not going to be an option. So, I said very lightheartedly, as though it were nothing at all, You know what? I'm just going to go back to the bathroom window and come around to your door. Okay, he replied reluctantly. Again, I made the trek, scooting about ten feet or so back over to the bathroom window, feeling closer to an optimistic outcome. I did not miss the opportunity again to reflect on the fragile beauty of the night as I made my way back into the bathroom. I hopped through with a sigh of relief and headed to the door, purse in hand. As I knocked reverentially, the door swung open, and there stood a clearly angry man with a knife blazing in the hand that didn't hold the door. He was pissed off. He obviously liked his sleep as much as I liked mine. He turned his stony eyes in my direction, expecting who knows what as the light flooded the hall and I was revealed to him. The anger left his face instantly, and he softened visibly and completely as he took me in with his feelings. I must have looked a mess standing there, holding my sweater, makeup smeared with ripped overalls. He immediately apologized and put the knife away, which I intuitively knew was for his own protection, not to threaten me. I stood there in my innocent authenticity, waiting for him to speak. He made a sweeping gesture with his arm, saying quite robustly and sincerely, Well, come on in, inviting me into his world. I gratefully took the invitation and walked through the door without reservation, knowing that I would be safe and that I had been guided here to him on this night. It appeared that my angels wished to make an indelible impression on me so that I would not ever place myself in harm's way like that again. We exchanged the briefest of pleasantries, as he said with some irony, So, 
How you doing? I explained to him what had happened with as much earnestness and truth as I could given my current state. I asked him if I could just crash there for the rest of the night and leave early in the morning to take the U-2 back to Nira Eschbach. I was feeling deliriously tired at this point, yet still amped up by adrenaline from all the events of the night. He told me that yes, of course, I could stay. Thank you, I sighed, relieved. I explained that he was the only person that I could think of to approach, as all my other friends were living with their parents, and I didn't want to make it into a big deal. His attention and demeanor were unchanged the whole time that we spoke. He was soft, receptive, and concerned. He asked me if I was ready to lie down and get some sleep. I said that I was, knowing that if I did, it would be a miracle. I stared at the mattress on the floor with the sheets all spread out from the interruption to his sleep. He asked if I was okay sleeping there with him. I said that I was and lay down on the bed. He put out the light and carefully placed his arm around me in a gesture to infuse comfort into the situation, and it did. I closed my eyes and tried to sleep, silently thanking my angels for leading me there. I felt restless as I lie there with him, hearing him begin to breathe more deeply, feeling his warmth, a near-total stranger with his arms around me. It was the most profound and stark contrast to the previous few hours. I reviewed the night with the other near-total stranger, where I had experienced the opposite of love and comfort. The Major deliberately led me to believe that he was the safer choice, using his own son to oil the wheels of his pathetic machinations to hurt me. I told myself to sleep as Dan's breathing deepened, and I knew he was returning to the world of dreams. My sleep was light, walking into and out of dreams, until morning graciously came, pale and gray. I thanked Dan again before running off to catch the U-2 back to Nira Eschbach, back to home. I knew that I would need to behave as if nothing were out of the ordinary. I gazed blankly out of the window at the passing scenery, not caring who was staring at me on the 18-minute ride home. My consciousness diffused, spreading out into a place without boundaries or fear. I promised myself that I would not ever again place myself in any situation that would compromise me the way I did last night. I knew that my only mistake was wanting to go to the party so badly that I was willing to take a ride with someone that I knew I couldn't trust. My intuition had warned me, and I failed to listen because my desire to get to the party was louder. I made a poor choice. I felt exhausted and empty, fragile and cold, yet also strong and powerful. Because when it came down to it, my will was the stronger. I knew it was because my will was in alignment with the will of something far greater than myself. With all the questions that I had about what had happened and why, I knew one thing for certain. That which gave me life also gave me purpose. This purpose for my life was greater than just myself, and it had been laid out before me, waiting for my footsteps to fall into place. Step by step, I was in fulfillment of and getting closer to the completion of this purpose, with each step lighting up the next, 
and if I couldn't get away with deviating from that plan, then certainly no one else in my life could either. I reached home after what felt like a lifetime, unlocked the glazed glass door and crept in unnoticed. I pretended that everything was fine because, in essence, it was. I had avoided complete disaster. I headed straight for my room and stripped off my clothes, shoving them in the hamper and donning my robe. Taking a deep breath, I went immediately to the bathroom, where I washed away all that happened in the all-encompassing soothing waters of the bath. I sank down into the oversized tub and covered my entire head with water, leaving no trace of anything from the night before. Following this baptism in the warm waters of comfort, I thanked God while drying myself with a towel, slowly and gently. I then walked silently with grace back into my room, exhausted. It had never felt so good to crawl into bed before flying to greener shores in my dreams. In the days that followed, I walked back into my life as though living in a waking dream. The friends that I shared my experience with gave me sympathy, but I told almost no one what had occurred. Instead, I focused on trying very much to have some fun, which was what I needed in the first place, because of the tension at home. After I had recovered, I went back to see the one that had taken me in at 3 a.m. I found him to be very gentle and receptive to me, given our obvious differences. It was what we had in common that lit a feeling between us. It turns out that he was a poet like me, and we began sharing our work together. On the second occasion of going to see him, I noticed a look in his eyes and face. As much as I cared for him, it distressed me deeply because it was the look of someone that was falling in love. I couldn't define it at the time, but I knew in my bones that I was not ready for what he would bring to the table. It felt like too much to bear, almost a burden. I thanked him again for his kindness and understanding with all my heart. I left that day never to return because I knew that I couldn't handle it.